0: Most of you know that from the middle of June until the middle of August, I was on sabbatical. Sabbatical means any extended period of time during which someone does not work at his or her regular job and is able to get away, to rest, to encourage rededication, travel, and conduct research. Second Presbyterian has a policy that allows your pastors eight weeks of sabbatical after six years of service. Just a brief comment about my sabbatical. It was more wonderful and more beneficial than I had planned or I could have imagined. Thank you so much for allowing me those weeks for respite, for renewal. In the eight weeks, I read eight books, engaging and helpful books. I attended two meaningful conferences. I met with four different pastors of downtown urban churches similar to this one to talk about ministry. I spent three days hiking in California's Yosemite National Park. I had time with friends, and I had very cherished Time of joy with Ginger and our family. Thank you. While I would have and could have enjoyed eight more weeks, <laughs> I actually returned to my work here as your pastor, truly renewed, truly refreshed, truly celebrating the life and the ministry that we're called to do together in this downtown setting, this vibrant church. Indeed, in the recent days since I've been back, I have been busy catching up with many things, but mostly, mostly I have been feeling grateful for you, feeling grateful for the ministry that we're called to together, to know Christ and make Christ known downtown Richmond and throughout the world. Life is very good in these final days of August, and we have challenging and important work to do together as we seek to serve God through Second Presbyterian Church. It's been 10 years since I had a sabbatical prior to this recent one this summer, so an extended break from preaching, an extended break from teaching, an extended break from working to build up the church was Actually, a bit of an adjustment for me. For example, when the horrific shootings occurred at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, it felt really strange not to be planning a sermon about racial violence and the horrific suffering that we know too much about when the world was reeling from the murders on the beach in Tunisia, or when the Supreme Court was passing down momentous decisions this summer, or when they were taking down the Confederate flag from the Capitol in South Carolina, an issue that I have worked on in a previous pastorate, I could simply pray and reflect and not come up with some theological comment. When the most recent new member class was coming together and meeting to join this church, I wasn't involved. When some of you were dealing with certain pastoral situations this summer, I knew you were being well cared for, but I wasn't involved. So it was strange. And it was wonderful to have this sabbatical. This stepping back, this stepping away, gave me fresh insight so much about life and faith, about faith and ministry. And I think some of my insights begin to get traction in some words from a scripture text that is our text for, for today, from Ephesians, from chapter 6. Some final closing words of that letter in the New Testament. Listen. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so you may be able to stand on that evil day and have done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet. Put on whatever, you, whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of grace. And with all of these, Take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me so that I may speak. Speak a message that a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. This is the word of the Lord. These words attempt to bring a strong conclusion to a very full letter, a letter written to the church in Ephesus in the first century. A strong conclusion to that letter. The letter has shared the full news of God's love in Jesus Christ. The letter has asserted that God is in charge. The letter has said that God knows us and God loves us. That God is always working to bring about our hope and blessings, goodness and grace. The letter has said then we are to keep trusting God and we are to keep serving God So the letter concludes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of God's power. Those words feel like an appropriate word for me and perhaps for all of us in these concluding (coughs) days of the summer. Clearly, our calling is to live faithful lives as God's people. Our calling is to find ourselves wherever we are, with whatever we're dealing with, and trust our lives to God's care. No matter what happens, no matter what we're facing, we're to trust God and serve God. We're to pray, we're to love, we're to live as God's people. That's the message of this text. And I particularly like that first line, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of God's power. That phrase, be strong might initially sound more like a Nike commercial or maybe a marine recruitment tool or something like that that's calling us to buck up and step up and and toughen ourselves up but that's actually not the main message. The Greek phrase here could well be translated in the passive. That's hugely important. A better rendering would be not be strong but Be strengthened, which is what I've put in the sermon title. Be strengthened in the Lord. See, the real power, the real strength comes not from ourselves, but comes from God. That's the message, and that is critically important. To be strengthened, remember, is to trust that God does the strengthening. Indeed, the whole message of the previous five chapters of Ephesians confirms that God is the one who acts. God is the one who loves. God is the one who is present. God is the one who does all things. In fact, that's echoing the same message of Psalm 111, which Kevin read this morning. God acts. God does. God is strong. God is present. God is is, is at work. So we're to be strengthened. Strengthened in the Lord, not in ourselves. In God's strength. Strengthened by God. Strengthened for God. Look to God's strength in all things. That's the word. That seems to be such a critical message for me and for our lives in these days. A critical message for our world. It's a vital message to convey to our children. It's an essential word to keep sharing with one another as we live in community. We keep reciting the words. We want to practice this with our lives. We depend on God. God is the one who strengthens us. One of the best books that I read this summer was a book by author and historian David McCullough, his most recent book, The Wright Brothers. This is a most fascinating account of the world-changing lives of Orville and Wilbur Wright who were, as you recall, the first to master human flight. A critical insight of the Wright brothers was their strong conviction that if they were going to fly, they needed hours and hours of practice at flying. It was less about the machine. It was more about learning how to fly, practice. It was less about the equipment. It was mostly about the knowledge that would come only from flying, the experience of operating the equipment in flight. So their pursuit of flying was tedious, and it was dangerous. It meant learning how to fly. It meant practicing. It meant crashing. It meant trying again. It involved a machine, and they talked about it as a machine, but it Mostly involved knowing how the machine worked in the wind, as it rose, as it turned. Learning how the machine functioned with altitude and distance and flight. It was about crashing and understanding why it crashed. It was about acquiring the knowledge of flying. Once they did that, all they needed was a motor to propel them. That's what they knew. It wasn't about the motor. It was about the knowledge of what they were doing, flying, flying, and practicing and practicing, flying, that's what made it work. That is an amazing insight. That insight changed the world. It led to human flight, which when you think about it, still marvels. The size of planes, the length of flights around the world these days, it's just amazing. It came from Orville and Wilbur and there practice at flying, their experience of learning to fly. Ephesians says, be strengthened in the Lord. What we do around here in community, as we build community and serve God together in mission, is practice being strengthened in God. In God's strength. We urge each other, be strengthened in The strength of God. It's not our strength. It's God's strength. That's what sustains us. It's not about our own power. It's about God. It's about acquiring God's power and God's strength for our lives of living in the world. A very difficult world. The world that dishes us out very challenging circumstances. But we live by acquiring God's strength and power. It's about learning who God is and what God has done, and trusting that God prevails even over the worst circumstances. It's about opening our lives to God even when we crash. And it's about discerning again the strength and power of God who never ever leaves us. We're invited to practice And we're invited to learn. And we're invited to gain experience in the ways of God. And then we will have life and peace and purpose. Is anything too great for God? No. No, God rules and reigns over all things. That's what Ephesians tells us. That's what the scriptures keep telling us. (coughs) Nothing can separate us from God's love. Even though we might be dead through our sins, God makes us alive. Be strengthened in God. In God's strength, that's the phrase that intends to form our lives, shape us, give us energy, focus us, frame us in how we live and love and serve as God's people. And then the next sentence says, put on the whole armor of God so you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The whole armor of God comes from a Greek word, panoplia which we get the word panoply, a protective covering. Imagine a protective covering over you to protect you from everything that threatens you, that makes you afraid. A panoply, the whole armor of God. That's the image here. A panoply from God covering us to protect us, to change our lives, give us faith, show us how to live. We're vulnerable to so much. Our lives, vulnerable to so much. Little teeny microbes get into our body, and we are very sick. Cancer cells start growing, and then they move to some other place. And it can be devastating for our bodies or our loved ones' bodies. We're vulnerable to so much. We live in a dangerous world and we read about it every week with some circumstance in some setting. There are no guarantees. Our parents might die early. Our children might die early. Circumstances and losses come our way and feel overwhelming. We are vulnerable to so much. Life is precious and So wonderful. Wouldn't it be nice to have a panoply, a protective armor to cover us and fend off any threat? Well, that's the image here. That's the promise here. That's the message here. Put on the whole armor of God, God's strength to cover you, protect you. That doesn't mean life is going to be without fear. That doesn't mean life is going to be without threat. We know that too well, but it does mean that God is stronger than any evil, that God is bigger than any problem, that God is able to help us through all things. I've been inspired this week at how Jimmy Carter has shown us that. I've been inspired this summer about how the people of Mother Emanuel AME Church have been teaching that. God is bigger than any crisis. God is stronger than any violence that destroys us. That's the message of this text. God prevails. When we know that, and we know it in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, when we know that, it changes everything about how we live. Hence the exhortation, be strengthened in the Lord. It's for our lives. Be strengthened in the Lord. And I also love that phrase, so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. So you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles is such a good word, but I can't remember the last time that I used it in a sentence. (laughs) Wiles. Wiles is a word that has to do with tricks and strategy. Wiles is a word that has to do with ensnaring us and enticing us. Probably it'd be a good word if you were selling fishing line and trying to lure in some big fish. Maybe it was a word on the infamous, now infamous Ashley Madison website. I don't know. I don't know. But wiles, wiles is always a good word. Wiles goes with the devil, the wiles of the devil that's always trying to entice us and and ensnare us, to deal with the wiles of the devil. That's the promise here. You'll be strengthened so that you can deal with the wiles of the devil, stand against the luring, enticing temptations that invariably come our way. We need protection from luring, tempting strategies that want to take us away from what God intends for our lives. When we're truly strengthened in the strength of God, then we can stand against the wiles of anything. And we're given a focus and a foundation in faith that helps us with all the challenges, the microbes that affect our bodies, the (coughs) violence that is a part of our culture, and even the luring temptations that try to entice us away from what God calls us to be about, which is faithful, loving service in God's strength. One of the more memorable moments of my sabbatical happened in Yosemite National Park. I found myself alone in my thoughts on the top of Sentinel Dome, which is one of the peaks in Yosemite and it's one of the peaks the best peaks because it has a 360 view of this awesome mountainous region on that day the skies were very blue and extremely clear so visibility was for many miles literally this was the second day of my hiking So my legs were sore, and I knew the descent was going to be hard. Going down is always harder on your knees. And I was sitting at the top, not looking for that pain in my knees. My seminary friend, Hamp, with whom I'd hiked up, was about 40 yards away from me. He was talking to some other hikers. I sat down by myself, looking west at the incredible view, stunning beauty, Tremendous cliffs, drastic drop-offs. It's one of those settings where your thoughts go automatically to awe and wonder and to the big questions of life. The wind was blowing harder on the top as I sat there. It was over 8,000 feet in height, so I got out a shirt and put it on to Chase away the chill. I had some water from my backpack. This became for me a magical moment. I'm not going to say that Ephesians 6.10 came to mind. It didn't. Nor did I hear God's voice. I was probably breathing too hard to hear anything. But it was worshipful. And so very sacred. It's so easy, so often, to get caught up in the burdens and the pressures of our lives. It's so tempting, so often, to be overwhelmed with the fears and the challenges that come our way. It is so perplexing to get consumed with insignificant things. There are even big evils and superhuman forces that remain at work around us. Ephesians puts it like this, cosmic powers of this present darkness and, quote, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's real. But but in that moment on Sentinel Dome for me, there was a calm. There was a vastness that reminded me of God's vastness. And there was a clarity that recalled in me the truth and the promises of God. We may not always know what comes our way. But we do know the way and the truth and the life is God. We do not always know where life is going. But we do know who promises to go with us. It's God. And we're not able always to figure everything out. We can't. Nor understand fully. We don't. But we do know who understands us. And who never, ever leaves us. It's God. So we seek to be strengthened. We seek to be covered in God's love with that panoply. We seek to pray and stay alert. We seek to stand and stay focused on God who is bigger and stronger than all that confronts us. This is what we keep working on so that we can live and love and serve, strengthened in the Lord, trusting our lives to God's care. Friends, may God's peace and grace cover you and your loved ones, and all you're dealing with, and our whole world today. And may we all be strengthened, strengthened in God's strength. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, help our unbelief, and grant us your strength and peace so that we can live by faith following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.